Life Audio. Today on Talk About That, John makes an apology video from the high seas and somehow makes it even worse. Meanwhile, I ponder the origin of reality prank shows and tell the story of how two beloved Hollywood stars were almost taken out by makeup. Plus a conversation about fame, talent, and why humans weren't meant to be worshipped. Today's episode is sponsored by Dead by Tuesday, my newest comedy release premiering only on YouTube August 15th. And now a word from our other fine sponsors. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. Johnny, another rainy day, another talk about that. Uh, I'm glad to join you in studio and our listeners around the world. Gloomy here, but don't you be gloomy, listener. No. We're here to bring the whatever. You know, the listener does not know that I just tried a different intro Mm -hmm. and literally had to erase it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now they know. Well, now they know how to erase it, but they don't know what I said. Right. (laughs) It wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. That's the thing. You did that one time with your social media. You had social media people working with you, and they posted something, and they attached like some hit song. They just were randomly like choosing a song that would make the algorithm like it, and it had like a word in the title of the song that was very risque. And so here's you talking about something. You're in Bucky's or something. Yeah. And then the song had some horrible title. Yeah. And I go, John, and uh, <laughs> like I sent you a text. John, what's going on with your text with your uh, reel there? And then you had to, you freaked out. And then you pulled it down. And then you made an apology video. So who knows how many people even saw that video? <laughs> then the apology goes out, and you go, "I would never. I just want to categorically." <laughs> You made this huge sweeping statement. I'm sorry, my family had to see me this way. <laughs> and now everybody's wondering, like, what the heck song was what it? They're all they guessing. Do? They're just yeah. You send everybody's imaginations going wild. Yeah. Well, that's that's yeah. what I'm here for, Johnny. Yeah. I got more traction probably on the apology than yeah. I did that's what I the, mean. Yeah. And it's usually the opposite. Usually, like the retraction gets buried. Right. Johnny, I live a confessional lifestyle. You really I don't do. Know I try to. Too much, so. Maybe too much. No, you know, the deal was, I remember that because I was I was in a Bucky's because I was on my way. I believe we were going on a cruise. Mm-hmm. And I think that the news of that hit me while I was on a cruise ship with bad internet. Yeah. And it like. Oh, yeah, yeah. I did freak out. Well, yeah, because you're like. What like, are the odds? We can't get. Right. I can't fix this in time. We're at sea. Right. And millions of followers right now yeah. are questioning their, I don't know, so. That like, that's a, a good thing about having a small following. Like, you can do less damage. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I that's like a, it. Well, speaking of confessional, like, I think that's interesting, too, because this has become, for me, like, we, we've done a bunch of episodes. By the way, if you want to support the show, 
talk about that podcast.com over mm. 250 archived episodes 270 270 280. We, we love I'm our sorry. listeners, but if you want to donate to the show or support the show, we love that. And you can get ad-free content that way. Talk about that podcast.com. But this podcast is very confessional because now we've been rolling cameras so long. We've been just recording so long. Like It's like we just talk about what we want to talk about. We probably self-edit some where we're like, all right, let's not go down that path. Sure. We know. Maybe we'd say something at lunch to each other that we wouldn't say on the podcast. But in general, this is who we are. And in my show, it's way more curated. Like if I do a comedy show, it's more curated. Every word is kind of more measured. And so you kind of get all sides of somebody now with the podcast culture. Yeah. And But I do think it's interesting because I was talking to another comedian friend of mine yesterday. There's a comedian named Mark Maron, who I really like. I like his show. His podcast is called WTF, and I like his show. It's an interview podcast more than his comedy. His comedy is very confessional, and it's very like – this is my therapy talking to you guys out here. Yeah. And so, and I don't want to say it's like devoid of punchlines. I hate that thing of like, well, where are the, this is all just stories and whatever. I think he does have jokes, but I just, it's very confessional comedy. And I've noticed with him that when he has a comedian on who is absurdist or has a sillier act or he doesn't have a lot of prop acts on, but if he has somebody who's just, they just have jokes, and you don't know who they are at the end of their hour. They just have really funny jokes for an hour. He's literally viscerally irritated by it. Interesting. And he has to call them out on it, almost like accusing them of not being uh, authentic. Yeah. Yeah. He's just like – like he had Dimitri Martin on one time, and Dimitri Martin is a genius joke writer. And, I mean, he's a hero of mine, and he's very absurdist. And – um or like if he had Stephen Wright on, same kind of thing, where he'd be like, you know, you hear Stephen Wright's jokes, they're all just little, they're all little mini sections of his story. You know, I went to a hardware store and I uh, bought some paint. It was in the shape of a, I bought some, what is it? I went to a hardware store, I bought some used paint. It was in the shape of a house. Now, that's a funny joke. Marin would be like, I don't know who you are after that joke. Right. It should be more confessional. Interesting. And so that's become like, I've noticed that in the recently that there are people who want comedy to be very like, I get to see who you are. And then, but to me, I think I didn't really think about that at all. I just thought about, did it make me laugh? Did it not make me laugh? When I was a kid, comics that I liked were all kinds of comics. Mm-hmm. If you'd asked me, like, who are your favorite comics or why do you like them? I would have just been like, they made me laugh. I'd have been like, I like that I know who they are. At the end. Like, it's just, it feels like an added weird thing. Interesting. But I do think podcast culture has now added that layer. If you have an absurdist act or if you have a, a, a curated show that's very like, I control every word. We get to see the real you. You get then. to see the real me for an hour. <laughs> right. And so people want that side too. And this is definitely that because I just really kind of, I don't know. I don't yeah. feel any pressure to be like, I got to make sure I keep these punchlines coming. No. I just, if it gets funny, it's funny. If it's deep, it's deep and whatever. Yeah. You know, interesting. So, you know, Taylor Swift announced at her show last night that she's about to release in October. Yeah. 1989. Her version. Her version. Taylor's version. Right. And <clears throat> Sadie's been following it. So, you know, for the the Swifties. Yeah. She's not one of these people who's following everything, but the Swifties will post about the Easter eggs that Taylor's leaving. Mm-hmm. You've heard all this, right? I don't know. I'm not in Swiftie culture. Like little 
hints yeah. that will say and, and they follow it in, their, in the songs. No, like oh, okay. in her social media stuff oh, in like they let you know what that will let you know that something's coming yeah. or an announcement's coming, uh-huh. but she won't say an announcement's coming. Okay. She'll just make she'll be posting about something else. And well, maybe a, that's maybe she's just learning that. Like I've noticed that too because my social media people have told me if you say go to my website uh, or this is coming on YouTube August eleventh, like it gets flagged. Interesting, especially if it's sending them somewhere else to another room. Like yeah. it's almost like no, I want you to stay on Facebook. Don't tell me a YouTube clip is dropping, right? Because it'll flag it. So maybe she's just learning that of like teasing well, it. I don't know. I think. I mean, there is a a movement. Yeah. I mean, like they follow. Like she came out on stage in a blue dress, and they all started screaming on this video. Oh. Because she's in a blue dress on 1989 cover. Okay. Like you're saying, it's all of these. So everything, nothing's arbitrary. Right. Everything. They don't think. Well, and in the end, she did announce it, and they had a big slide for it, and you know, mm. so they've been right. So that she. She knows you guys, those of you who are truly connected to me. Is there any, are there Easter eggs in your outfit today? Um, Like literal What if we started leaving? What if you produced an Easter egg and peeled it and began eating it? (laughs) (laughs) Like, John's leaving us subtle clues. But. (laughs) (laughs) And now the room stinks. Thank you. That's funny. And what was interesting on the way to school, Sadie, because I think this generation does, she said, I think Taylor Swift is actually a really good person for real, like yeah. outside. I think she's a, I, th- I think she must be a good, like we have to talk all the time. Mm-hmm. What kind of person is she really? You know, and the fans want to. Right. You want to believe that. And, and I think I had that to some extent, like even as a writer, I've actually had to recover from that a little bit. I have this desire to be near people who have influenced me and work with them. Uh huh. You know what I'm saying? I want to work near the things that are influential to me because I don't know why you're drawn to them. But you don't even know all the reasons. So I've had to unpack that some now like, oh, that's why. And there's nothing wrong necessarily, but but it's not there for no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were talking. I was like, you know, maybe she is. But odds are, say, like all people, she's more than one thing. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing I said, for whatever reason, I said, I think I know the reason that she never asked because uh, that's what I do, Johnny. I don't just throw it all out there. Mm-mm. I just leave it like an Easter egg. Um, she, I was like, I think I know the reason, but there, we really want someone who's going to be a perfect person. We want to find them. I didn't use yeah. the word pedestal. We want to find like it's 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 ingrained. Mm-hmm. We're doing a politics. We want to find someone who has no fault. Yeah, we want to believe it's possible that someone could reach that ideal, right? Which is even in democracy, you, you in general. The idea of Republican democracy is that you are electing an official who is smarter, more well spoken, mm-hmm. has greater understanding, more trustworthy than you, mm-hmm. so that they will represent you and protect you, right. even from yourself. So you know the what I'm highest saying? ideal. Right. Um, so, I mean, I know where it comes from in that extent, to that extent, but it was just interesting that, yes, that she's like, I, she can't get away from the fact that she wants to know. Mm-hmm. Who the real Taylor Swift is. And guys, I have her right here on speed dial. Taylor? <laughs> wouldn't that be great? What have you done if she would have started talking right then? Oh, man. Wouldn't that be something? That would I have, think our ratings would. It would have gone. It would have, been a, it would have helped. It probably would have been a little higher rated episode. But you know what we do here is cool, Johnny, even if we don't have Taylor Swift on. We could tease it in our notes just Ooh, yeah. to get the. And then people are like, that was a total. Taylor Swift interview question mark. 
will Taylor Swift appear on the show? And the answer is no, but you did, put that question out did there. Did Taylor Swift show up for the interview? Well, you don't have to answer that. No. Come listen and find out. Um, also, you should listen to a word from a few of our sponsors. Okay. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. I don't know. We don't do a lot of guests, but I would, I would allow that guest. Yeah, Taylor wants to come on. What would we'll we talk about? You would geek out over her music and songwriting. I do think she's a really, really good songwriter. Yeah, you're such a Swifty dad. Well, why would I fight it? I don't know. Like I could be, I, I could be contrarian. I thought about that's true, that. and at least like uh, Sadie's not into some like horrifying. No. You know, EDM, you know, trance music that you can't, you just go, this is a computer oh, made this and it's awful. Right. Because no. that's, ha- that's what's coming is like algorithm produced music and AI uh, produced music and kids are going to be into it because it's going to be, you know what I'm saying? Maybe, but I don't, I don't know. I th- I, we can debate that all day. I, I still think there's a place for I don't know if there's a place a for it. I just wonder if it's like the Matrix when he's eating the. He goes, I know that this is right. just the Matrix telling me I'm eating a steak, but I don't care. Right. It's delicious. <laughs> you know? I think that I decided I'm trying to be in the experiences with her. And I am mm-hmm. very blessed to have a daughter who wants me in the experiences with her. Yeah. For, t- for now, to you. Well, when it. she's 15. That's true. And she's in high school. Yeah. You know, and I told her the other day, I was like, you know what? You really influence me and make my life better. I said, because it doesn't matter where we are. We could be in a gym with all your high school friends and co-players, teammates, some call them. Co-players. <laughs> <laughs> what, are the, what are the humans calling them? John. Co-players. I don't know where, I don't know where co-conspirators, I don't know where. I, I don't know why that. you can't get the next book. <laughs> what is going on? You're so articulate. <laughs> it's true. I said, but. You never, like, she will walk up. I don't have to even initiate. Yeah. My daughter will hug me at this stage. That's great. And she doesn't listen to the podcast, so I hope I'm not jinxing it. But she will at every stage. I yeah. mean, church, you know, anywhere. Like, she just comes up and she's just, she hugs her dad, you know. That's good. And um, even if we already seen each other that day kind of thing, you know, so. What if you're her ideal and you're going to let oh, her down? no. You don't think so? Look, I'm no Taylor Swift. No. I'm like Taylor Slow. I've seen you in a blue dress and <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> the name of that album would be 1978. Yeah, and, it would. Uh, 1978. That, that wouldn't. It's like a. It's like records. a weird burlap flower sack dress. <laughs> right. Some horrible. Or it's like a burnt orange. Burnt orange. A lot of burnt orange. Say, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Harvest gold dress. The 70s. Oh man. Yeah, our first apartment. 
uh, that Karen lived in, it's like you knew it was in the 90s and you knew you were moving into an old apartment when it had the old 70s appliances still. Because, you know, the apartments will like provide appliances, but they're right. old. So here in the 90s, we had a avocado green stove and fridge. This is over 20 year old fridge. And you just go like, this is, this is how you know this fridge is going to crap out on us for sure. <laughs> it's just hanging on. But wow. I'm, I remember them in my old house growing up, yeah. those kinds of things. And the linoleum. Yeah. That, that left an impression. The, the like, and now in the 90s, then you had the, the ducks with the blue. Mm-hmm. We had that in my house, the second. Uh, country house. blue. Everything was country blue and country ducks blue and ducks. little hearts. Mauve, a lot of mauve. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Mauve yeah. and country blue just – and wallpaper, just the border on the top uh-huh. where you'd put crown molding now was just a thin wallpaper strip. Yeah. I put up a lot of those. Yeah. Mom was like, Get, put a border up and that'll, that'll set off the whole room. It was like, we don't need to repaint. We'll just put up this border. Now it's like <sighs> the whole room. And somehow we got out of that. It's coming back. Surely it'll come no, back, right? These know. things coming away. Bring back the ducks. I like because like it took a hundred years, and now shit, and then shiplap became a thing, right? Right. You know, Chip and Joanna, and now all these homes that have shiplap. The minute that show was off the air, yeah. Like I think Wes Binkley, our friend who's a realtor, he was like, "Well, shiplap is now the the beginning. It's like the fading star of shiplap because now it's not on TV every week. Well, they have their own network now. So everybody that went and ran and put shiplap into all their rooms, like." It's only a matter of time. Again, that's okay. If you like it, you like it. So if you're not looking to sell your house, who cares? See, I think it is the influence that has caused trends to stay much, much longer. Oh, you think? Because, yeah, you're going to do whatever Joanna Gaines tells you to do. You want to do shiplap? Um, if, she's, if she said so. Your house would look weird with shiplap, though, because it's not a country house. It's not a country house. So it'd be weird to be like put country elements in it. I don't it's an know all what brick you home. Call... You walk in and now you've got like... yeah. A farm fresh eggs sign, yeah, with like a basket and right. It just looked like that's those are fake eggs. <laughs> I hope they're not being refrigerated. <laughs> those are the, these are the eggs that Taylor Swift left here. Yes, and she um, Taylor Swift lays eggs, guys. <laughs> you heard it here. She is. <laughs> She's not laying eggs with these albums and this oh, tour. Hey, now I heard they're hits. Come on now, I heard. Uh, from my wife, I think someone did the math. I want to say this tour has grossed. It's I think it's in the billion. Yeah, probably. I mean, with a B. Yeah, Johnny, that's a thousand million. A thousand million dollars. And I know just what we paid, so I really wasn't surprised. You're a chunk of that. I think we're like five percent of that. You're in that number. <laughs> You're in that number. But at the same time, like she could. She could keep going. She's about to do Europe. Yeah, she's going to do Canada next. And I heard that the or yeah, Toronto or Canada. There's a Canada tour she just announced, and they said it already has like you know 100 million people or whatever, just 100 million tickets. I was like, how? There's only 25 million people are going to go to Canada to see her. I don't get into the whole like Kanye Beyonce war with Taylor Swift stuff. You know, yeah. I, I I I do. And this is probably as close like culture of stuff that I would really get into because again, I have a daughter here, but like. Kanye jumping on the stage during someone else's award ceremony mm-hmm. was the most messed up thing. Like that was that was a narcissism, yeah, and a mental health issue to me. And I know he there's been a lot. He's of had talk many about since that. then. Well, yeah, and you stole her moment. It was just yeah, it was wrong. It was gross. Like hey, you know, someone like you lost or your friend lost. Like go on with it, kind of thing. Even if you wanted to say something like that in the paper the next day, that would have been wrong. 
But jumping up and ruining her moment was like really wrong. Yeah. Like, again, whether you like Taylor Swift or don't like Taylor Swift, it's really not about yeah. that. Like, that's a... Yeah, she didn't... It's like she chose to get, you know... Was it an MTV to win it. Music Award? Yeah, as a VMA, yeah. Or, yeah. I think. Video. Was it, a, was it a Grammy or was no, it... No, I think it was, it was a VMA. I think it was a VMA. It was the VMAs. Yeah. yeah, because he said Beyonce had the best video, one of the best videos of all time. Yeah. With single ladies. Yeah. And it was just like... Yeah. <sighs> that, that, that stuff, that's what I... But she has... About the point of me saying that was, like, there is a... I kind of want to have this like, bro, she has now sold more tickets mm-hmm. to more concerts. Like, so you I think, don't, you don't, think might makes right. I don't know saying. what the number is, but she won. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like if, if, if there was a, you knock me down and of course she wrote. And I get up again. You're she, never going to keep me you down. You never. Like she wrote, she's written a lot and I was meeting with someone this morning. It's a thing that you and I didn't coin, but we say it a lot. Uh-huh. And I was like, you know, hey, look, some people live their lives trying to prove someone right. Yeah. And some people live their lives trying to prove someone wrong. Right. And either way, I don't think is necessarily the healthiest, you know, way mm-hmm. to live. But if she's trying to prove someone wrong, like mission accomplished, you just, I'm not saying right makes might, but if, if the goal of pop music is for it to be popular, <laughs> yeah. she's set like all the, the, the world, the, the the records for number one hits and downloads and now concerts. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Well, to your point, though, about like people needing an ideal uh, and it can be unhealthy for that person and for the culture. But we kind of crave that. Like Israel wanted a king uh, because other nations had a king. I think um, I watched this documentary last night called Untold, and it's about Johnny Manziel. Hmm. who's one of the biggest draft busts yeah. in the history of the NFL. Johnny Football. Johnny Football. Unbelievable college player who was all instinct. Right. And so then he, but he can't stay out of trouble. He's boozing and drinking and never looking at the playbook. It's boozing all, and drinking. Boozing, and, boozing wow. and drinking and drugging and all the things. I know a lot about drug culture. I could tell. And uh, <laughs> he's smoking alcohol. He... But anyway, he's getting in trouble constantly, and he's getting arrested, but they keep covering it up. And, like, um, I think he revealed on the documentary that, like, basically all of his drug tests, like the fourth-string quarterback, was taking the urine tests for him. Wow. So he somehow gets drafted by the Browns, of course, you know, to further implode their – Somehow. I mean, he was a – National championship player. No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, of course, they're the team that took oh, a chance. Because right. there was talk that he might fall to the second round. Yeah. And, um, but anyway, it was just kind of a timeline of his story. Yeah. And they're kind of just warts and all bearing his story. And the thing I kept thinking, and I saw Sean Groves, uh, who's a former CCM uh, artist, and now he's a speaker on behalf of Compassion. So I follow him on Twitter. And he said he had watched it, and he goes, it's so striking to me that we're just not built to be worshipped. Like, it's so poisonous hmm. when we worship human beings. It's, it poisons us. It poisons them. Yeah. It's just not supposed to happen. That's not to say you can't be a fan of somebody. You can't go to their concerts. You right. can't enjoy their art. But when they become this icon to you, you've hurt them and you've hurt yourself. Like, it's just we're not wired for that. And it killed this guy. I mean, it didn't kill him yet, but it's... It ruined his life. Yeah. He's not ever going to be the same. And it all started with the Johnny football stuff. All that, like, 
when you show them that you might have a talent that not everybody can do, and then you elevate that person and you take accountability away from them, you've hurt them. We see it with pastors. We see it with athletes. But I was just struck by that too. And I was just like, man, this guy, I almost felt like a sense of like, you know, just pity on him. Yeah. Cause you're like, you got this, you got this gift. Cause he even said, no matter what would have happened, I would never have been able to be a professional quarterback. I don't have the discipline. Like he admitted it. Interesting. He was like, it would not have mattered if I'd stayed in college all four years instead of going after because two years. Because it's not just physicality and right. athleticism. Because when you know. get to the pros, everybody's good. Right. And you have to watch game film. And that was the one thing. Like he hired an agent and the agent was just a yes man for the most part at first. And then after a while, he was just like, Johnny, you've got to. He goes, they're telling me you're not watching film. And he goes, uh, and then the guy goes, he's not watching film. And he goes, well, he's got to watch some film. They go. We can track it. His iPad hours are 0.00. <laughs> he literally did not open the iPad wow. to look at film. And he was a professional. He was getting paid like $8 million, his first contract or something like wow. that. And so he was just, I mean, it's just a, such a strange thing to get everything that you've worked for, whatever. I guess he didn't really work for it. He just kind of coasted on talent. And then he got to a point where he goes, I'm going to have to put in the work. And he had no desire to do it. He was just living that life. But it was handed to him by people who worshipped him. Yeah. In essence. Mm. So they handed him the thing that was going to destroy him. Interesting. Because of a gift that he was given by God. It's it's a weird thing. Well, there's a truth to the fact that if you get everything that you have ever dreamed of, when you get it, you will still be you. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that the identity tied to the accomplishment, I mean, it's it's like this American way. You can be shaped by it, but you're fundamentally... So if you don't fundamentally know who you are yeah, and you're waiting for some future status or event or accomplishment, I mean, I remember those days graduating college, whatever your next, it doesn't have to be some NFL dream, like whatever your, your next big goal is, it's hit me hard re- many times on releasing a book that I thought was going to be something you yeah. know, that even if it was something and did well, I'm still me. Mm-hmm. Like I need to deal with. I need to deal with who I am. Do I know my identity? Um, it's such an interesting thing. We're reading a book called uh, The Beautiful Resistance by John Tyson as a staff right now. And he talks a lot about idols and, and getting it. And it's a hard word. You know, like I, I want to I put a bunch of asterisks around the word, which I know why I do that, by the way, because I'm a six. So I have to like, you know, go through all the things to help you yeah. not misunderstand anything. I right. try to hit all the angles. And Qual- it makes me qualifying statements. It makes me over communicate and yeah. over qualify a lot. So forgive me, but a word like idol feels like it deserves it sometimes. Like mm-hmm. you know, it basically it's 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 when you expect something from something that it can't give, that only God can give then you have elevated it and it can be good things. I think that he talks about like the, the sort of default belief system that would say, Oh, an idol is bad. Yeah. Right. But money in and of itself is not bad. And you can even be seeking after it for good reasons to provide for your family, you know, right. to, to whatever, but it can still become something that I'm, I'm expecting or acquiring from it what it can't give. And that's what God would always say in the Old Testament about literal physical idols they would have. Like, what is this? this you made this yeah. with your own hand out of a piece of wood. What do you expect from it? You're mm-hmm. expecting something from a piece of wood. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and so like God would reason with them on this. Um, I've <laughs> it's interesting with volleyball. You know, volleyball is from a time perspective consumes a lot of our lives. Yeah, it's um, we don't care if Sadie plays or not. She loves it, and so we've at every in every season, no matter what, whether it's school ball, club ball, beach. I mean, we play a lot of volleyball. We're like, hey, you don't have to. Do you want to do? You want to sign up and try out again for the next thing? And you know, she's a freshman now, mm-hmm. which I mean, she's you know on varsity and JV, and it's all the stuff you know. And she's in high school for the first time. And at the at the end of the day, it's just what we it's what we do. Whether when I was that age, I had a job. You know, what I'm saying like it, this is her job. This is where she's learning lessons about teamwork, where she's learning disappointment, failure, how to respond, mindset. I mean. Anything that you go through can be that. School itself can be that. But we, I realized myself, I become very mercurial. <laughs> yeah. Because I want her to do well, not just at the game. I want her to do well for her dreams to be accompl- to be met or not completely unmet or shattered. I want her to be seen mm-hmm. for who she is, mm-hmm. which also includes her talent. But th- you, you start meshing all these things into the sport because we're on the road and we're paying the money and we're yeah. in hotels and we're having this. Right, you make an investment. We're having this experience together. Like this is this is her childhood will be marked as, as Laura's childhood was marked by being at the ball field. You know, her brother went on to play college ball. Her dad played college ball. A lot of my childhood was marked by mowing grass, being with the family, having a picnic under a tree while we took a break. You know, it was hard. It was working. You know, yeah. and then school. It was marked by, you know, trying to accomplish in school and, and church. I mean, we all have those things that will, mar- so I'm in it with her, and it's not just volleyball, but volleyball is a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And I realized the other day, it was like this aha, because I'm going through some things in myself to want to f- keep facing the seasons differently. I can get spun out so quick, like, you know, she gets pulled from a game mm-hmm. in, in, an, in a way that doesn't make any sense. You know, she's not doing anything or, you know, or she doesn't get put in in a place where we know she could do well or or she's just having a bad day or whatever or she's having a good day or the coach yells the team has nothing to do with her. But it's like it makes me feel unsafe that the whole system like whatever. Yeah, I can get spun out and I'm a 45 year old man. Right. Am I 45 or 44? <sighs> I don't remember. I'm, 49, no way to, I'm 49, so yeah, you're 40, 44. 44. There's no way to know. Um, but I told Sadie, I was like, hey, for me and you, we have to lean into this truth. Mm-hmm. Volleyball will never provide us stability and security. It, it can't. You're right. We are asking of this sport. We, when we come in and if, if we get spun out by it, then what mm-hmm. we were saying is, is, well, I thought there was a way that you could make this team accomplish this, do this, and you would finally be safe. And everyone, you know, you're not going right. to have this next challenge or this next whatever. But it's it's going to always change. It's just a sport. It's going to have yeah. a different coach every season. You're gonna, like, if we stop re- if we stop requiring from it what it cannot give, mm-hmm. then we can really deal with ourselves. Yeah, think about it, literally at one of my nephew's baseball games. I mean, the police had to be called the other day. Oh boy! I mean, there was like racial slurs, violence. At the ball field, at little league fields, all over the nation, this stuff is happening. Yeah, and you got to stop and ask. And this is not about youth sports, but are we asking from that mm-hmm. what it cannot give? If anyone, if anyone's a great example of the fact that volleyball can't give you the connection that you want, it's Tom Hanks and Castaway. <laughs> 
Don't you think he taught us that? You have been sitting. He reached out. <laughs> he saw Wilson. Oh, my goodness. He tried to human anthropomorphize it. Yeah. This is my friend now. Yeah. Wasn't his friend. It wasn't. Wasn't real. Could have been his friend. Was real to him. Probably saved his life. Maybe. Gave him the will to. Because he had dialogue. Even if it was only within his own mind. Yeah. He needs somebody to talk if to. If Sadie starts talking to the. To the volleyball. You need to. Yeah. Intervene. That'd I mean, be okay for you to intervene as a. Whatever you are, volleyball dad. All of us with house dogs talk yeah. to our dogs. Yeah. And talk of course. For them, right. People with hunting dogs, probably not as much. You know. But. Yeah, I wonder if, yeah, I don't understand, like, I, that's the thing, it's like, I would never look down on, but I don't understand people who have dogs that, that aren't integral parts of their life. They're like working dogs. Utility. Like, I get I get dogs. service dogs, but I don't understand people who don't like, I got, that's why you have a dog. You have a dog to snuggle with it well, and you, boop their snoot. Well, security. A lot of people put them in the yard so they'll bark at intruders. They and bark that's at everything. A, that's not a dog you want to... Well, then, but the intruder doesn't come in because they're afraid of the dog. I t- Look, Ace is in charge of security within the within our perimeter. Oh, and he's good. And he knows that. That guy. He runs a tight he's ship. He's terrifying. Um, he'll bark at What it. is he, 11 pounds? He's nine. But listen, it's not the size of the fight and the dog. Wait. Yeah. It is the size. It's the distance I can punt him if he comes at me. <laughs> I often wonder if he really had to engage. Right. What would it look like? Would he? Yeah. Or would he be like, I mean, uh, I've, I've seen some chihuahuas that love to tussle. Listen, chihuahuas. Chihuahuas have this face that looks like their eyes are trying to escape their head. You know? Like if you They're just squeeze very, a little bit, it yeah, pop right out. Yeah. It is. They're very aggressive. Yeah, my friend had one. Every time I went to his house, quite frankly, it was very irritating because mm-hmm. I'm good with dogs. Yeah. And I couldn't win that dog over. Mm-mm. Like territorially. Chihuahuas are one, one person dogs. Right. It thought I was trying to hurt the wife. Yeah. Just by being there. Right. And I was. Or I, just I, like they're I, jealous of the attention that I kept explaining it to him. Right. It seemed like it did nothing. <clears throat> These chihuahuas, they can't be reasoned with. <laughs> I don't know. Speaking of reasoning, John. Yes. Sometimes it's important if you're looking for uh, a reasonable affect on your personality oh. to, to look at our history because there's so much to be gleaned. Yeah, I can take it or leave it. Really? Sorry, go ahead. You were a history. Weren't you a history major? <laughs> okay. Uh, and so that's what we like to do every week. Uh, we go back, all the way back. This week in history, it's a segment we like to call Talk About Then. This week, John, 1966, the first U.S. moon satellite, the Lunar Orbiter 1, is launched. 66, it successfully orbited the moon 526 times. I did not realize that. I guess it's because it's, is it because it's spinning? The moon's spinning too? I don't know. It orbited 526 times. I did not know that. Before intentionally striking the moon's surface. I don't know why it did that. It also took the first photograph of the Earth from near the moon. So we have this. It's kind of a grainy. I could show it to you, but it's a little grainy. And uh, some people would say it's faked, I guess. Its primary purpose was to photograph areas of the moon's surface for landing sites for the Surveyor and Apollo missions. So this kind of was the yeah. the forerunner. So they sent a satellite to orbit a satellite. Yeah. Come on now. Won't that? I don't know how. I don't either. Okay. Uh, 
Here's some famous last. You like famous last words? Oh, yeah, those are Love great. famous last words. Yeah. This one's a little dark. We tend to go dark. I don't know why sometimes <sighs> this week in history, but this one's kind of dark, but also kind of fun. It, it, it kind of scratches the itch for me uh, as a true crime person. Famous last words. Convicted murderer James French is executed by electric chair for murdering his cellmate. When discussing his pending execution with a reporter, he asked, how's this for a headline? French fries. Oh, he said it himself. He said it. Wow. Uh, yeah, he had killed a motorist who had picked him up while hitchhiking in 1958. Even though he requested the death penalty of this trial, he was given only a life sentence in 1961. French treated his cellmate to a steak sandwich from the prison canteen. Very nice. And then allowed him to go to breakfast. When he returned, French strangled him to death with a towel. He again requested the death penalty, and this time it was granted. I didn't know you could do that, so you... <laughs> That's if at first you don't succeed I've at never getting the death penalty. I've never someone request the death penalty and then be denied because I guess they're and like, well, like I gotta, how many people I got to kill before you, before you guys do this? And then he has the funny little witticism as a – so he never lost his sense of humor, John. This feels like a sociopath. Yeah. Was, yeah. Like, I don't think he'd have been a cool guy to hang around. No. I don't think something was wired correctly. John, this week, 1927, uh, one of our most enduring national monuments – uh, is dedicated. Do you want to take a guess? 1927? That's too late for Mount Rushmore. It is Mount Rushmore. It was dedicated then because it was started under Theodore Roosevelt, which it was is... completed in 1941. Interesting. So 1927, it was dedicated. The work had begun in 1927 uh, by sculptor Gutzon Borglum. It began in 1927? This says it was dedicated, so I guess they dedicated the site. So oh. It wasn't done yet. It was done, well, not completed until 1941. Which I did not know it took that long. That's really interesting. Uh, he died in March of 1941, leaving his son to complete the task. So his son had to kind of carry it on and, and finish the last part of the work. The sculpture would feature the 60-foot tall heads of... Do you want to name the presidents, John? Do you think you can uh, that's them? Washington, Lincoln. Yes. Um, wait for it. Jefferson. Yes, those are the two ends. The book ends is who you just named. Jefferson. Yes. And Theodore Roosevelt. Theodore Roosevelt. Yeah. Because you got the glasses in there. Yeah, these presidents were chosen by Borglum, so he chose them to represent the nation's birth, growth, development, and preservation. So that's what the four – I didn't know that. So it wasn't like, this is the top four. We always think it was like, who's the top four? Who's our Mount Rushmore right. of X? He kind of chose the, the nation's aspects that they led the country through. Birth? What were the three things? Birth, for? growth, development, and preservation. So I guess he, he kind of thought of – well, preservation birth has is, to be Birth Lincoln. is Washington. Uh, I would think growth would be uh, would be Abraham Lincoln because we grew past slavery. Uh, yeah, but he – You think preservation because he saved he the union. He preserved the liberty. You're right. He saved the, the union. union. Yeah. I would, guess, I would guess growth would be Jefferson probably with – And uh, then development because Roosevelt was – See, unless you think of Roosevelt, so he was this huge conservationist. There's a reason we have national parks you right. know, today. Like in, in – Honestly, yeah. he probably saved the landscape of America, though. So he didn't just get over, right? You know, which is going to be subdivisions on every corner. Yeah, interesting. I mean, well, there were presidents before that. But you should watch the National Parks documentary. I do need to watch that. Really You've told me that many yeah. times, and I refuse to do it. It sounds like the most boring thing ever. It's really not. Uh, well, no, uh, Ken Burns is always good. Yeah, those are always good. Pete Rose got his thirty six hundred thirty first hit this week, nineteen eighty one. The hit king, John Pete Rose. Uh, he broke Stan Musel's National League record. Interesting. So, and then of course he's gone on to be 
much scandalized because he was probably gambling on his own team. Banned from baseball. Banned from baseball. I still think he should get in the Hall of Fame, but there should be that. What do you think about that? People who have been whatever, should they be banned from the Hall? Because he did, that was as a manager. So these are his player accomplishments. So I do think it's a little bit different. Yeah, I agree. So he was a manager when he gambled, but you should put him in and put a plaque that says he gambled on baseball when he was a manager. Everybody knows now, but. Well, yeah, that's interesting. What do you think about steroids, though? I guess I thought that he. No, he didn't gamble as a player. No. Well, that's the case. Then, yeah, I think his player stats should remain. Mm -hmm. He just shouldn't be able to manage anymore. What what about your gambling problems with baseball? You know, I don't like gambling. Do you think it should keep you out? I don't either. You know, <laughs> I wish I so did fun. more. I could play the lottery more or something. Do you think it's interesting, like, you kind of butt up against these things as you kind of escape some sort of fundamentalism, and you kind of go like, oh, I guess I'm not, this isn't a problem for me. Like, the right. first time I ever went to, like, Vegas and I pulled a sl- I thought... Have I opened a portal to hell and now I've opened this? You know, I'm going to. I'm going to enjoy this. I'm so going to enjoy much, it right. so much. It'll be. It'll take a. And then you just go. Well, this sucks. Right, I won nothing. I'm throwing money away. Yeah. You know, I sat here for 15 minutes. I lost five dollars. I'm not doing this. No, I'm not and then can... somebody who's right next to you just and they're just they got coffee and they're just they're they're totally zoned out and you're yeah. like, oh man, I'm glad I'm not. That's not my thing. Yeah, I'm I have so a lot of things, but it's not this one. Yeah, yeah. it's not that mine involve gravy usually. Yeah, I was gonna say sort of we could be at a buffet right now. That's, that's my right. thing. <laughs> you, that's what you do. You do the gambling to get the buffet. You get them back at the buffet. These yeah. these casinos. Uh, John, the two dollar bill uh, was discontinued this week, nineteen sixty six, because uh, lack of demand. And you know who was on the two dollar bill? Let me guess. I'm looking at it right now. I believe it's James Madison. I think Madison was the. No, 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 no. I can see it. Yeah, you know, you're right. It might be Madison. It doesn't say. Hold on. We oh, need, that's, ask when your, we, that's when we have to know. Ask your Siri or ask your Google. Is it James Madison or is it Thomas Jefferson? I think maybe Thomas Jefferson. Did you know that? An old it, Thomas it, I think it's Madison. I think it's Madison because Jefferson was already on a bill. He's already on the five, right? Isn't Jefferson on the five? No, Lincoln's on the five. Okay. I don't see a lot of money. Thomas Jefferson. Okay. Yeah, he really he just, old. He's got the curly, he's got the powdered wig, what, whoever it is. It's yeah. a very, uh, you know. Ah, sorry. I fa- well, I, I figured it out, but then I, well, my first Well, here's the thing, though. Did you know the $2 bill was then reintroduced in 1976? So I don't know if they're, st- it doesn't say if they're still in circulation, but they may well be, and people just have to request them or whatever. I see one every now and again. I yeah. think I have a few in a drawer. So they, they discontinue, and then 10 years later, they're like, you know what, let's bring them back. Why not? What are we hurting? Yeah. I wonder if whoever discontinued it just didn't like Thomas Jefferson for his politics. Huh. One time I had a $5 bill and it had blue writing on it uh-huh. instead of the red or some the $2 bill has red on it. But instead of green or whatever, it had red uh blue writing and it said fi- and it said silver note. It was a $5 silver. Interesting. And I was like, is this one? Did you keep it? I didn't. What are you doing? I, I think I looked it up. This was early days of like Jeeves <sighs> being internet, and it said it's worth five dollars basically. But I think if I'd held on to it now, who knows? Who that, knows? that was twenty five years ago. You know, I have a Peyton Manning rookie card up here. Is that the same thing as what um, I was saying? And I've held on to it. You know who gave it to me? Peyton Manning. Your brother Todd. Oh, really? Yep. Todd was big into cards. My brother, man. Yep. Your brother Todd gave me that, so I've kept it. It's his. It's his and I looked up the other day. Well, it was like last year, maybe. Yeah. And it's not worth a lot. My brother. Love that stuff. You know, he gave us money to do our record projects uh, many times. He bailed me out of many a jam with something he'd made from selling a starting lineup figurine or a ball card or whatever. Yeah. Amazing guy. Amazing guy. All right, John. Finally, well, I got a couple more. Candid Camera Uh debuted on ABC 
which that was kind of the like, beginning of reality television. Was. That yeah. was the first like punked. All of that comes yep. from let's catch these people in their element. Let's put a zany situation around them. Yep. See how they roll coming. tape. We'll get them to sign a release. Who knows what the early days of that were? You remember the guys? Remember the host, right? Uh, no, Alan Funt. Okay, I wasn't going to. You wouldn't have ever gotten it. Yeah. So Alan Funt was like the he was the guy, and it is that shows kind of of a harbinger for what became. Yeah, it was the canary in the coal mine of like our obsession with. I think it's an obsession with: Am I normal? (laughs) Right. Because we want to know if other people are having the same lives that we are. Yeah. And these shows kind of let us in, so it's this voyeurism. Uh, and it feels like a safe window to watch them yeah. freak out because the guy walked by and fell on the ground. And now how do they react or whatever it is? Yeah. I always feel bad for the people. Right. So like, they didn't ask for this. You came in. They're just eating and you're ruining their lunch. Yeah. And we're all laughing. I don't know. You ever watch What Would You Do? Like, I think it's on Oh, ABC. yeah. Those are like big like sociological right. experiments. They put, these, they put these true like social experiments in mm-hmm. you know, a racial situation. Yeah. Or, or somebody you know, slaps their wife at the table. Well, you do. And now you have to like either go over and approach him or not. And they put like 10 people in the same situation mm-hmm. you know, to see you – know, and, and then ask each one of them, what yeah. was your reasoning? What was your reasoning? It's, very, it's a very fascinating thing. But yeah, candid camera. Yeah, it. Is. I don't know, man. I, it, it shows me. I'm, I don't know if I'm wired because I, I just feel bad for the people. These prank shows. I yeah, don't, I don't like pranks. Although apparently, I look like the guy. Oh the, yeah, I've heard it more than once. You look like the guy from oh. uh, uh, what is it called? The what's the show? Uh, what is it called? The prank show. You have the memory among us. I know, but I don't ever watch it. I don't like those kind of shows. <laughs> I don't ever watch it either. But it's I've the been... ones where they're telling, they're in the microphone and they're telling people to do the things. Yeah, and you look like the one guy, the super super handsome guy. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do get that. I've had that probably fifty times. So I guess I do. And then some guy stopped me the other day. Who did he say I look like? A golfer, the guy mm-hmm. who just won the U.S. Open or something. Yeah, he's like I took a double take. He's an older guy. It's like I thought in a volleyball tournament. He's like I thought you were him. Like I really did for a minute. And I was like, I mean, you could. I'm like, man, I had fun with that. I was like, I wish I could hit a ball. Well, yeah. you know what I'm saying. But um, no, I didn't have a. I didn't even remember. You know, I don't follow golf enough to play the part. And I've seen your swing. The jig would have been up the minute. <laughs> well, I'm not sure in a, in the tournament. The gym. He's like, look, you're a professional golfer now. Take this club and swing. Oh, that's true. It. You know what I'm saying? Like, in a scenario. I just a, could have sat there and yeah, you could have just let it let it be. Just shot the breeze. Like, hey, you want to take a picture? You know what I'm saying? I'll sign an autograph. Like, I could have gone really far with it. Yeah. Want to make a donation? I know that's. I don't know how. That's that, weird. Yeah. I've got a foundation. Now you suddenly have a charity that you. There you go. Okay, so finally, John, uh, born uh, this week, 1897. Uh, Jack Haley. Do you know who Jack Haley is? Mm, I do not. He is famous for playing the Tin Man. Really? In uh, The Wizard of Oz. Do you know he's a replacement? Do you know this story, right? I don't. You really don't? Probably not. This is the lore of the Tin Man. The original Tin Man was Buddy Ebsen, who was Jed Clampett. Went on to be Jed Clampett. Okay. So they chose Buddy Ebsen. He comes in. He's a trained actor, blah, blah, blah. Well-known actor of the day. They put this silver aluminum oxide makeup on him. He has a visceral reaction. Is rushed to the ER. Oh wow! And uh, had this huge reaction to it, anaphylactic shock, basically. Wow! Uh, because they put real aluminum in that, and he was allergic to the 
whatever oxide was in the makeup. And so they brought Jack Haley in as a replacement. I'm, I'm just, I'm just know this. I'm, I'm reading it now. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it says that he suffered an infection too. So Haley got the role of Tim and after Buddy Epson had an allergic reaction to this over makeup, had to drop out. Haley also suffered an eye infection from the makeup that required surgery to avoid permanent damage to his eye. What are we doing to these people? Oh my goodness. Just to make a movie. That's crazy. Now it would just be whatever. I would CGI be afraid. What year are we talking here? Twenties, right? Yeah. Uh, nineteen. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't say when uh, the Wizard of Oz came out, but yeah, it would have been nineteen twenties, I believe. I mean, they're shooting in the twenties, probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I'm a little afraid to have eye surgery in the twenties or thirties. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, I'm like Wizard of Oz was nineteen thirty nine. Oh, thirty so nine. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry, I was off by a decade. Yeah. Okay, well then fine. I'd have eye surgery in 39 all oh, day Oh, yeah, that's when it's... Yeah, that's when they really came along. Yeah. At the end of the Depression, they really had moved that <laughs> They started science. wiping down the scalpels and stuff. <laughs> I mean, I'm always fascinated because that, that obviously shows a bias of what we feel like about modern tech, but there's a lot of things people were doing in the early 20th century that was pretty amazing. Like, yeah. again, um, so, I mean, again, Oppenheimer. I mean, people are... We act as if... AI and tech and all the stuff now, we're, we, we, we certainly are doing things they couldn't have conceived of, but they're actually doing things that I couldn't conceive of them doing with the technology they had. So maybe the eye surgeons were amazing. I'm sorry for besmirching the eye surgeon community. <sighs> Our impractical Jokers. That's the name of the show. Impractical that Jokers. You look like the guy. Yeah. I don't know why I couldn't think of it. It's because I just am not, I'm not trying to act like I'm better than those shows. Right. Which you thing. are. Right. They they're huge. Like they're so big, they do a stadium tour. Like they do big basketball arenas and fill them up with fans and do just like a stage show Interesting. and do live like interactions with the fans. They do a cruise every year. Wow! Because our buddy Nate Bergazzi, he did their cruise one year, and they just had him on to do an hour of stand up. They flew him out there to be on their cruise and it's the whole boat is full of their fans who want to spend the week with the impractical joke like they're a huge industry unto themselves i wonder if our fans would do a talk about that cruise huh these are good questions i mean and i think we know the answer <laughs> <laughs> i think it's a It'd be interesting what would we talk i guess we, what would we do well what we do is we talk yeah we what would have we do live shows we would do interactive games we would, uh, but you and I are not big. We would swim. Well, you're not, not big gaming people. We would. We, we were youth pastors who, yeah. like in the old days, we were put in charge of mm-hmm. all the recreational mm-hmm. elements, and we would. I think it just got out of my system. I loved it when we did it, and we did great. Yeah. It's like 20 years of doing that, and 15 years of doing that, and you're like, you know what? I, I don't want to throw a pie in anybody's face anymore. Like yeah. I, I, that's. I don't want to take last night's dinner leftovers, put them in a baby pool, fill it with some more water, and then have a kid jump in that. Right. I don't want to put. That feels wrong to me now. I don't want to put a Cheerio up your nose and have you hold one side and try to blow it into a target. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <sighs> I don't want to take a greased pig. <laughs> right. <laughs> Wait. Hold on. Where did you get a greased pig? Well, they were rubber pigs. Oh. I don't want to take the little rubber pigs. Yeah. And have them run relays with them. I don't want to have a kid spin on a... Oh, they had to put it between their knees, didn't they? You can't... So you couldn't right. really walk fast. I don't want to put a kid with their head on the butt end of a baseball bat and spin them around so much so they run over and hit the wall or whatever. The dizzy bat races are more universal than I had thought. Like, I think dizzy bat races were common in a lot of camps, not just Christian camps. Because yeah. I would see them... I see videos of them on TikTok. Yeah. Dizzy bat races. So that is a thing. Because I always thought, did we make all this up? No. Are other people doing this? 
No, yeah, 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 people are doing it, right? Some of it's like, oh, that's a game. Then some of the games you're like, is this Guantanamo? What are we doing to these kids? <laughs> this is like, come on, kids, we call this waterboarding. <laughs> it does sound delightful, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> if you didn't know what it was. Yeah. Oh, that's great. You know uh, what is delightful, John? <laughs> you literally stole my segue. I was, my segue. I was doing the same thing. Uh, Speaking of delightful. I don't know. We've already pitched the website. But go to the website, talkaboutthatpodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. And we'd love to hear from you. There's a little chat box there <laughs> at the bottom that we've added. That, that sends an email directly to John and I. And we love uh, getting your feedback. Yeah. And it gives us more things to talk about on the show. We want to know what you want to talk about, guys. Yeah. And at johnnyw.com, J-O-N-N-I-E, you can find uh, access to all of Johnny's material, tour dates, upcoming projects. You can also go to johndriver.com if you want to find out what's happening with me uh, any given day. I'm writing a book right now. Very it's exciting. pretty exciting. It's been, it's been a minute. A book with words. Yeah, it's a book for someone else. It'll be exciting. It's a parenting book, so I can't wait for that to come out. We'll Good talk stuff. About yeah. But hey, guys, thanks for all the time you give us every week. We'll see you next week on Talk About That. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. God invites us to cultivate thankful hearts by turning our eyes toward Him in good times and bad. To listen to more Abide Christian Meditations, just go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Christian Meditation. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.